Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 23, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers from 2004. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today, back from her last appearance two weeks ago, maybe our quickest turnaround guest in the history of this little podcast, Cara Gayla Regan. Hello, Cara. Hello, I have whiplash. Uh-huh. So quick. And just so you know, I think we might have said it two weeks ago, we had no guests last week, so it's basically like two in a row. And what a what a turnaround on the movies. I just want to say about that whiplash, we're, we're working on, you know, the Medicare and all that stuff for the network, so <laughs> just bear with us. Oh, great. Maybe we'll, we'll get health insurance one day. Exactly. Not from us, I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie that was a made-for-TV movie about oh. the life and death of Peter Sellers. Yeah, okay. it won a whole bunch, it won like nine Emmys. Really? It was not, it was not nominated for Best Made-for-TV Movie, but it won a whole bunch of other Emmys. Don't oh. think, I don't think it deserves it, but <laughs> it, the important thing is that it won the awards at the Emmy Awards the same year that Close to Carrot and My Heart and also Mike's Heart, but Kara most recently, the same year that Lost Season 1 won Best Drama, Ooh. 2005. No, no kidding. So, Love it. Yes. Nice. Whoa. But, like, this okay. is a garbage movie, right? Oh, it's a, it's, oh, it's yeah. a trash movie. Absolutely. Okay. It, yeah. it's just making Real sure. bad. Start to finish. But finding out that it was a made-for-TV movie kind of makes a lot more sense now, because I was sitting there going, like, whoa, what is up with this one? It's rough. I kind of don't even want to talk about it, honestly, like, because... <laughs> you guys well, just want to talk about Lost instead? No, we could I just mean, talk about I, Lost. That's totally fine. I actually have one or two things I want to bring up Oh, I mean, we're going to we're gonna talk about it. Don't worry about it, Mike. I'm just saying <laughs> I don't want loose. to talk the about is, it. The Tooch is loose and off the chain in this one, so... Give me a Stanley Tucci, Stanley Kubrick oh, movie. That's please. the movie that I want to see. Exactly. Can, with that I can Ugh. talk about for an hour if you want. I feel like to really, truly appreciate this movie outside of seeing a Stanley Tucci or a Stanley Kubrick in this movie, you have to be so familiar with Peter Sellers' life. Like, the only movie of his that I've seen is Dr. Strangelove. And so when he was yeah, in same. that in those scenes, I was like, oh, this is sort of familiar, but I've only seen that movie once. Like, I know I need to see it again. But there's so much of this movie movie where he is Inspector Clouseau or he is Dr. Strangelove or he is whoever he is in all these different scenes it's sort of playing like a greatest hits and I'm yeah. just like I don't care. Here's what's even crazier is that I'm kind of a Peter Sellers fan like I like his Kubrick work you know he also did Lolita he's he's great in that as well. I like Being There which is an amazing movie that they get to at the end of this film they start making that movie like definitely got to check that movie out and the first two pink panther movies are great pink panther and shot in the dark are, oh yeah i've seen those they're awesome they good. they're so good yeah. um it's downhill fast from there if you ask me <laughs> i made it i made it i think to like the seventh pink panther movie and i wanted to like jump off a bridge somewhere but what i'm getting at is i was pretty familiar with peter sellers and his his fame his life his rise to fame and all that stuff and i still didn't enjoy this movie like i i you know what i'm saying like i it felt very redundant it felt very repetitive it felt like it was going in circles and him as a character like the the real life peter sellers has zero redeeming qualities and so i was thinking like oh maybe fondness for his characters is what is supposed to like balance out him being just 
awful, awful person yeah. to everyone in his Terrible. life. Terrible. Terrible, yeah. But part of it is also not. trying to be like, oh, like he's be like this is him exposed, like yes, he was an asshole, but you know, now we all know it or something. And it just falls flat for me. Like I don't feel any redemption, but I feel like the movie wants to redeem him somehow. Like, oh, he was tortured and this and that and I'm like, oh maybe he did suffer from depression, but the movie doesn't go into that whatsoever. That would have been a very interesting angle, but it's yeah. all glossed over and it's yeah, it's just, I was a womanizer, I was an alcoholic, I couldn't control myself, and then I died. It's like, oh, I don't see the redemption. Yeah, and I my tolerance for, like, the tortured genius narrative at this point is just almost zero, <laughs> I think. So I wasn't sure if the movie was actually not good, or if I just, like, kind of immediately wrote it off, because from the very beginning, he's just terrible to everyone. I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's a type of movie that I don't want to see either. And I also think it's just not... I don't... It baffles me. I mean, I guess in an off year, you can win a bunch of awards in a in a category like this if there's nothing else you're going up against. Like, this is before the prestige TV miniseries resurgence. Like, if this was going up against, like, American Horror Stories or True Detectives or whatever, that's a whole other ballgame. But back in 2004, 2005, when there's just a handful of weirdo movies, probably mostly British, that are all just vying for, like, the three or four vying for all these awards... I can see a movie that's, like, slightly better than the rest sort of sweeping and cleaning up. What's weird to me is that it won so many awards, but wasn't even nominated for the best... Like I said before, it wasn't nominated for the best made-for-TV movie. Like, Mm -hmm. that says to me... That, like it had good parts in it, I guess, but mm-hmm. wasn't a good movie overall. But yeah, it just didn't like none of it really worked for me. There was there was maybe three aspects of this movie that I actually felt were working. But like you said, like they work on their own. They don't work in conjunction with the entire product here. But what I liked was Jeffrey Rush. I actually feel like he was spot on as Peter Sellers. There was parts even towards the end where I was like, holy shit, like this is like uncanny he looks exactly like him he's acting exactly like him mostly when he's playing the characters like strange love and being there and stuff it's actually pretty well edited i like a lot of the editing tricks they do when jeffrey rush sort of slips into different characters throughout his life Mm. like his mother and the directors and things like that like that was pretty interesting too uh and then tucci as kubrick so like i don't think he got any awards but that was such an unexpected i was so blindsided by that it brought me so much joy yeah there's just so much going on on in this movie that like there are some interesting things i thought the cinematography was interesting or at least there were certain shots that i was like oh make that movie instead please and also the makeup Mm -hmm. i think was really worth noting um not just his makeup as peter sellers but like you noted when he shows up as other people in his life which was like a really interesting thing that they did or like almost interesting thing that they did but because like there was just so much going on it just didn't really make sense Mm. in like the whole movie yeah i was actually hoping they were maybe leading into some sort of again something you know some kind of mental thing where like maybe he didn't know who he was so he was living his life throughout all these other people and you know he mm-hmm. lived life as a character and never knew who he was kind of thing and they say that a few times that he was just like an empty vessel mm-hmm. but it didn't work no like that's just just not the focus of the film is yeah if that was the focus like i think it could have been a nice harder darker drama and maybe i would have mm-hmm found that redemptive arc somewhere in the middle of there but i just think he's too flashy there's just too much show business going on that needs to be covered as well so there's no time to balance any of it like it's mostly spectacle yeah all right let's talk about charlize 
before we completely write this movie off, even though I want to completely write this movie off because Charlize... Like, I feel like, Mike, this is the worst she's been, like, the worst character she's had to play that's not in a Woody Allen movie. Like, this is... Mm -hmm. This is hovering, and this is based on a real person, too, on some level. This is hovering right above that creepy Woody Allen, you know, fantasy girlfriend sort of thing. You know, the fact that we have to wait 66 minutes or something for her to show up, (laughs) and then I'm just like, oh, God, like, why, why, why is this happening? She barely talks. She barely talks. She makes more noise having sex with him than she does, like, combined for the rest of her lines. Yeah. She plays Britt Eklund, a Swedish actress and singer. She appeared in numerous films in her heyday through the 1960s and 70s, including critically acclaimed roles in William Freakin's The Night They Raided Minsky's and the British crime film Get Carter, which established her as a movie sex symbol. She also, this is the most important thing, Mike, she also starred in the British cult horror film The Wicker Man, the original one, obviously, and appeared as a Bond girl in The Man with the Golden Gun, which is a little bit of a connection here, because he plays in Casino Royale, he plays James Bond in the original Casino Royale, the sort of the parody spoof. Mm -hmm. Is that considered an official Bond movie or no? Mm, I don't think so. I consider it official Bond canon, but I don't think most people do. No, because I think it also appearing in there, another unfortunate connection, Woody Allen is also in that movie. Mm -hmm. So, Well, it's interesting that Woody Allen keeps coming up because I wrote in my notes while watching this that uh, he's like an overgrown Woody Allen. He was almost like the British Woody Allen or something, just as far as maybe looks and popularity and they're on the realm of comedy like there's the same look there's the same sort of this whole sort of that swinger vibe you know that like mm-hmm. gross swinger vibe that was yeah. flying around back then and everything because like even the opening song the what's what's new pussycat woody allen made a movie called what's up tiger lily and replaced like it's just he's an over sort of sexualized character kind of dude and like i don't know i don't like that parallel but it's it's there I see it, I guess. Oh, God. I don't... Oh, like, oh I, okay. So I could... Uh, let me <laughs> let me quickly talk about when uh, Charlize comes into this movie. I, like you were saying, like, she barely talks, but when she talks, she's got, like, a crazy accent. She's a Swedish, Swedish accent. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Swedish woman. Yeah, yeah, so once again, she's got an accent. It's not a southern, ac- southern accent, but it's an accent. And, and, like, you know, not only does she barely speak, like, I just couldn't understand, like, a word she was saying either, which was uh, quite unfortunate. And then she has, like, she gets, like, divorced within, like, 15 minutes or 10 minutes. Well, she gets knocked up. She's pregnant. Okay. Uh, for the first time since the astronaut's wife, I think. And she tells him this when he's sitting on the toilet. And his first reaction is, oh, you have to get an abortion. But it's hmm. not really played for comedy. Even though he does, like, take a dump at the end of that scene, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Like, which uh. is the dumbest. No, not at the end of the scene. No, in immediately the after. Of the scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. The only thing I can think of that was like that quick of a turnaround, and it's it's played explicitly for comedy, is in maybe season one or season two of Always Sunny. Mac and Dennis are rallying for like pro-choice or pro-life. Mac knocks up a girl who is pro-life, and his first reaction is, "Oh, you have to get an abortion." And, like that's the whole joke. Like they hooked up because yeah. That's, they're both pro-life and then yeah. he as soon as he realizes the gravity situation he's like oh no like you have to get rid of that and like that's played for comedy like it's such a 180 turnaround there here it's just like a oh I'm a monster I'm a garbage person yeah I'm married to you but I don't want more kids so let's get rid of that like it's just how many times and this is what we're talking about with uh, Behind the Candelabra I think like right for Cinemakers it's like why I don't want to watch biopics 
where it just showed me that the person is a monster. Like, it mm-hmm. just, I get it. Like, he's a terrible person. I'm done. Like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like use that energy towards someone who led a great and interesting life. Like, uh, you know, I almost feel like this movie was made because why not make it? It's Peter Sellers. Like, everyone else is getting a biopic. Like, but but you can watch it and it's like, he's really, there's not a lot there. It's not very insightful or interesting. And what is there? He's like, yeah, he's a crass sort of, I can't tell at times when he's being serious or joking and that's not good kind of person. I get a bad vibe off of him after watching this and that's never good. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to watch a movie and then end up not liking the person that it was about because that's not the intent. Yeah, I was always, I was kind of just sitting here for a while just watching it going like, why even make this? Like everybody, like this is just like a story like it's been everybody's like, I feel like so many people have been through this story. Again, it's just redundant. You know what's wild, though? Charlize is second build in this movie. Yeah. And it's not because it's, like, by alphabetical order or, like, she showed up second in the movie. She just, for some reason, is at the top of the billing. I wonder if that's star power. Just, you know, we yeah, have to, I think so. we got her in this movie and even though her role is so small, it's just like, well, it's Charlize Theron, so like we get some prestige in here. I think that, like this is not the first time that we've been fooled by that. Like she's been second build, just on, at least on Letterboxd in other movies where she's like in one scene. Like I think maybe fifteen minutes, we were really mm-hmm. faked out by that. Like she, we we sort of get a fair amount of her, but my God, like I messaged Mike while I was watching this, and I was just like, when are we getting to her? Because I cannot take this movie anymore. And I saw like an hour and twenty. Like it was amazing how much more of this movie. Like this movie is so long. Yeah, I I'm I'm not gonna blame it entirely on the movie, but I did get a migraine while I was watching it. <laughs> so I watched most of it literally with one eye closed. And then I fell asleep at some point. I almost did not go back and finish it. But I was like, come on, you're a professional. You have to do it. (laughs) So I took one for the team, finished the movie. Woof. Just what a terrible movie. On top of all of this, like, I even got a Reindeers game flashback in the middle of this because of Charlize and Jeffrey rush their uh their sex scene they're like going crazy and they fall off the bed and they're like rolling around on the floor and that's exactly what she had to go through with you mean he's debauching her yes he's debauching her when they're being debauched at least in that scene like it's there's no gratuitous nudity you know well there's no gratuitous nudity but she is fully naked we just don't see so is he he is as well i I understand that but why are you doing this charlie like what about this movie about this role rolling around with jeffrey rush like was okay for you to get fully naked like it's just man like i feel i I feel like we're protect like i'm protective of her and like i want it to be in movies that are either good or that call for it here it's just like you don't need to have that and we don't see anything but it just still feels like why yeah the only thing i can really come up with is just that it's maybe she wanted to work with jeffrey rush or that she uh admired the work at least of peter sellers if you know probably not the the person behind the work but like was a fan of that and wanted to just be involved somehow and she wouldn't produce this or anything right like she's not any behind the scenes power or anything like that because that as well maybe just to try and get some extra backers i don't know but it's it's interesting that this is a it's a BBC production, right? Like, it's all mm-hmm. British production, and she appears to be the only non-British 
actor in it. There are some American characters who are... John Lithgow is American, right? Oh, yeah. that's right. I totally forgot because... Yeah. Yeah. Because I fine. didn't really recognize it's Stanley Tucci. The movie's very forgettable. Ah, never American mind. American hero. All right. Strike that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leave it in, but just strike I'm gonna, it. Oh, no. Record. I'm definitely going to leave it in just because <laughs> it just proves... Like, you watched this either earlier today or yesterday. I just watched it, and I've already forgotten everything about it. Like, I just... I was half paying attention. Like, so he, here's what I did. So I fired up the movie got like in the opening credits was like oh no i'm not gonna like this movie at all like i this is not for me in the slightest and then i went on letterbox and i saw that mike gave it two stars and mike <laughs> loves pink panther or loved pink panther maybe past tense who knows complicated relationship facebook relationship that is it's complicated with pink panther <laughs> if you didn't like this movie i was like there's no way that i'm gonna <laughs> like this movie and then you said that you know charlie's is barely in it so i was just sort of like half paying attention that was the only way that i got through it because if i had to if i had to pay close attention to this movie for two hours i don't know i, I, I might not be here like i just it would <laughs> like i don't know that there's anything particularly bad about it it's just not at all a movie that i want to watch and it's not at all a role that i want to see charlie Theron play mm-hmm. and it's not at all a movie that i want to talk about for longer than we need to <laughs> yeah i almost wish that like she was in the buddy holly story or something because that's a great version of like that's a great biopic in general and he is that's a really good depiction of him and everything and like that's more along the lines of like what I like in far as far as like my biopics. I didn't this I man, yeah, this was a slog. This was very tough to get through. Like I kept I watched it in one big chunk, you know, I sat through it because I just wanted to get over with. Again, like I sound like a broken record, but like the only thing is like it just kept feeling like the same over and over again like you know like okay he's married he gets famous uh, he drinks a lot and he cheats on his wife with Sophia Loren then they get divorced or he tries no, to cheat no, 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 no. with Sophia Loren he yeah, does not cheat not with, with Sophia Loren. Loren she makes it very clear that she has absolutely no interest right right he, he kind of gets a little he gets very stalkery around her and ends up doing her stunt double or stand He debauches her stunt double. He debauches her stand in the backseat of a Rolls Royce, yes. And then he gets divorced, then he gets married again and ends up being drunk and probably cheats on her. And I mean, it's just a, it's the cycle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just tired Mm -hmm. of the cycle and and they just keep repeating it like way too much and it's just all he goes through. And, you know, yeah, it was cool to see him in makeup on set between the movies and everything like that. But again, it's like, you know, it was like, oh, he ended up on another movie set and now he's on another movie set. Now he's on another movie set. Like, you know, Mike, if this was the life and death of Nicolas Cage, like if they did <laughs> him going from like face off to adaptation to leaving Las Vegas, like if we did all those and it was like an actor that we both loved and it was all these movies that we knew, like this could be the recipe for like a super, super cool movie, like sort of a greatest hits. But the fact that it's just this guy, I don't know who this is for. Like, I guess it's for people who grew up watching movies in the 50s and 60s and 70s and just really loved Peter Sellers. I ugh. like it yeah. is cool to see him in makeup and stuff, but like, man, I just it, it no. Yeah, I think it's just for the Brits, <laughs> you know. To be quite honest, yeah. like I think it's really geared toward their scene and and their history in uh, entertainment and stuff. And it's like not just seeing Peter Sellers, but the era and those times and being able to sort of like live through that again and see that on screen. Uh, even the poster for it makes me irrationally angry. <laughs> Well, which one? Which, there's, a, there's a couple different ones, I think. Which one makes yeah, you the most angry? So I'm talking about the one where he's like plucking the um, petals off of a flower. Yeah. But the flower doesn't have full petals 
where his hand is, I don't know, just the way that it's laid out makes me really mad because the top of the flower doesn't have any petals so you can see his face, but his hand that's plucking the petals isn't anywhere near those petals. And it just makes me mad. It's just as ugly and I get stupid, it. and I don't like it. I get it. Totally fair. But there's another one that I came across when I was looking at pictures of it. Now I can't find it. Where that part of the poster is actually like torn down. Huh. So you don't see his face, and it says something in the inside about him being an empty vessel. Interesting. Uh, which I think was a, a much more interesting poster and a more appropriate poster that was not what they went with did you guys know that the two people the writing duo who wrote this movie wrote this screenplay because this is adapted from a book i think wrote all three captain america movies get out of town you're crazy those are christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely those are my favorite Marvel movies like they're the best ones my mind holy shit well there's some things that were different that wound up being different in the movie than from the screenplay because apparently they wanted to, instead of him dressing up as the people in his life to discuss him as a character, it was actually going to be like the war room from Dr. Strangelove and his characters from Dr. Strangelove discussing him Uh and his life. But they dropped that idea because it would have been prohibitively expensive in royalties. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the screenplay was a lot more interesting than the movie wound up being. And I also feel like they they spent so much time in Kubrick land already that you might as well, they should have just made the movie of Sellers and Kubrick, you know, there. Which would have been so interesting. Yeah, because they collaborated twice you know and to see like all of the arguments and their relationship i wouldn't call it a friendship but their relationship and how they work together that would have been a fascinating film alas alas so here are the movies that these guys have written it's a it's a writing duo it is christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely they wrote all three captain america thor the dark world which is not great they're writing both infinity war movies huh they wrote Pain and Gain, which is amazing. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that, yeah. They wrote three Narnia movies, which I've never seen. Uh, the first one I saw, which is good, you know, it's solid fantasy. They wrote this movie, and then they wrote a movie called You Kill Me, which I don't know, which oh. is from 2007, starring Ben Kingsley. They pretty much exclusively write Marvel and Narnia movies, and then also <laughs> this movie. Like, it's just, how did this happen? Why did this happen? I don't know. Mm. I read the IMDb trivia. There's so much trivia about this movie that I just straight up do not care about. I read it all, but it's all not stuff that's interesting. Mm. Is Narnia a Disney property? Because that might explain no, why they write some... I don't okay. I'm not sure, so. but I know. So here are the people, Mike, I don't know if you read this, or I don't know if you heard this, I know Kara saw it if she read the trivia, but there were a bunch of people who were originally, or thought of, to play Peter Sellers. Okay. Uh, the first choice was Robin Williams. Oh, hello, no, thank you, pass, hard pass, hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> he said it would have been an honor to play Peter Sellers, but he was too busy. Uh, they also looked at Sasha Baron Cohen, Kevin Spacey. Oh, I could have seen Sasha. He's way tall, but he's got, like, the youth and everything. I, I would have liked that. Kevin Spacey... Near, thank you. My personal choice for the role, just because of the fact that there was another p- oh, character, another game? actor. Recast game, or is this a no, choice no, 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 no. This is another. Out. This is another person okay. who's considered for it. Okay. Uh, the final one, and my choice of this bunch, for the fact that there was another actor who played a real life actor in a deleted scene, Steve Coogan. Oh yeah. Was to play Peter Sellers, and in a deleted scene, Dude. Rob Brydon played Dustin Hoffman. What? So oh my I would have loved a ch- the trip pre-union of this movie like i would have been into it like jeffrey rush i just don't care about like i mean i don't care about this movie but i don't care about him like if it was steve coogan and rob bryden like yes absolutely 
Dude, now that you say Coogan, like at all falls like this movie, even with this material, may have been even better. You know, I would I would have cared less, and probably he would have pulled it off better. But I I love Coogan. I I don't know what he was doing around here. If it was Hamlet too, it was worth it because I love that. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Just thinking now, you know, quick recast game. I would have uh, if they're making a movie about Peter Sellers now. I'd go with Eggsy from uh, Kingsman. Mm. You know, he's sort of got that British style to him. I feel he could do this with pretty well. I like that. Kara, have you seen either the trip or the trip to Spain or the trip to Italy? I've seen the trip, I think. Well, they're all the same movie, so you've seen all of them, essentially. <laughs> it's just Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon going different places, eating great food and doing accents and doing impressions. Right. They're all great. If, if you're listening and you haven't seen those, go see those. Don't see this. The other thing that's crazy about this movie is that it's very difficult to find. Like You have to go to the yeah. library. Like, you either have to buy a DVD, because it's not streaming to buy or for free anywhere. You have to buy the DVD. Well, I found it streaming for well, free. Well, legally somewhere. or illegally? No, not legally. So there you go. But like, but you, like most movies, not all movies, but most movies you can stream on Amazon for a couple bucks, or you can like buy it for 20 bucks or whatever. You could find it somewhere, yeah. Yes. I wonder if it's a British thing, because we Maybe. recently did Spice World on Wistful Thinking, Ooh. and I had to actually buy the DVD of that. Oh, so, so sorry. Yeah, like regional so licensing rights and all that kind of mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am done run out of notes about this movie. I have this <laughs> third from the bottom in my list. Like, there's other movies that we've watched that I think are worse than this, but I would mm-hmm. rather rewatch all of those. The only ones that I want to watch less than this are the two Woody Allen movies. And also on my <laughs> mm-hmm. list of Charlie Theron movies where she plays an unattainable dream girl that has to deal with, like, a disgusting shooter, partner, whatever. This is third on that list behind the two Woody Allen movies. Like, it's bad in both those regards, so I am never going to watch this again. Glad that I got it from the library. Glad that I did not buy... Like, the the more we get into this, Mike, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we learned from our mistake of Ben Affleck in the podcast where you unfortunately bought all of his movies and I bought about (laughs) half of his movies and then we just didn't do it. Like, I'm so glad that out of these 23 Charlize movies, I don't own like 17 of them. Like, they're like, there are probably 16 or 17 that I just straight up never want to see again. Yeah. And I'm just so glad that I didn't spend even just a couple bucks on them because like, man, like, it Mm -hmm. is rough going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have no need for like all of these up on my shelf by any means. And, you know, the funny thing about that box of Ben that I <laughs> used to affectionately call it, but now I just like stare at it in scorn. I actually ended up watching, I pulled a, a, a movie out of it one night. I watched Jane Silent Bob Strike Back one there night. You go. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, it, well, you there, know, there's good one, movies one, in that box. Down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I look forward to watching Phantoms a couple times, actually. Phantoms is the bomb. In case you did not know, dear listener, we saved you and us from the Ben Affleck podcast, but on April 1st, so just just a few days ago as we're recording this, but about a month ago as you're listening to this, we put out the pilot episode of that on April Fool's Day on our site. It's not on any RSS feed. Like, you can't download it to your phone. You just have to listen to it through our site. It's only like half an hour long. It's a movie that I straight up remember none of, Zilch. except Ben Affleck is barely in it. And he's like two years old? How old is he? He's like two or three. He was three. like six or seven, I think. Okay, yeah, that's it. That was our debut of the, the recast game that we did for the first time episode uh-huh. of this podcast. Nice. That was a thing that we did. But Salvage something listen to that if there. you want. But today is also, as this comes out, today is May the 4th, so go watch a Star Wars movie oh. instead of watching this yeah. movie. Watch The so, Last Jedi. It's great. I've seen it four times now. And then later this month, go see Solo, maybe. Who knows? Oh, you know, if you need to see another movie. But, okay. So, the game we're going to play on this episode, if we can, I'm not sure that we can, but we can try. So, Kara, you were on two weeks ago. I don't know if we told you this off-air, 
but we're going to edit out that entire mess of a game <laughs> that we tried to force in because we did not game. have the rules. But last week, Mike and I were doing the episode alone, and we figured out the way to do it, especially because he and I have seen all the movies and nobody else has. So we're going to give you two choices. We're going to try this again with a guest. So sorry again that you are Skinny the guinea pig, pig again. Apologize. <laughs> but you are easygoing, and it just so happens that you are, you know, this is just where the, the chips fall. Like, you are here again, so we're going to try it again. And if it's a disaster again, we will pivot for the next episode. But, okay. So what we did last week was we did a randomizer. We picked five movies from Charlize's first 22 that we wanted to link together. And so we linked together, drumroll please, let me see if I can remember these. Last week's episode, which was Head in the Clouds, That Thing You Do, we did The Devil's Advocate. Oh God, what else did we do? Uh, 15 Minutes, and, and the Celebrity? No, not Celebrity. The other one, the Jade Scorpion, right? Was it Jade Scorpion? Can't remember. So what? So here, here was <laughs> yeah, the story. Going let's let's see if we can remember this. So the okay. story was, in Head in the Clouds... She has a baby off screen, and that baby grows up and moves to America, and that baby becomes the woman in that thing you do. And not then, yet, no, not yet, right? There's a, she, we missed a generation. First, she, she. I remember her going to the south for something first. This game is a disaster. Like I should, <laughs> I should have written this down. Here's what, what I, last here's what I propose. I propose it's, it's a per episode thing. So we, so whatever we did last time is just for last time, and now we pick five new movies out of the randomizer. Okay. And try and, and try and assemble them into one narrative. Okay. So actually, here's, here's a better way for the guest to play. So, Kara, of the movies in Charlize's career, from the beginning to where we are now, which of those movies have you seen that you feel comfortable enough remembering roughly what the plot is? Well, I definitely have seen Monster. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Remember what that's about. Cool. Good. <laughs> seared into my mind i've seen that thing you do yep okay a little hazy on the details but totally I, fine she's barely you know, in the uh, the regular the theatrical cut i did see the cider house rules at some point and i know that abortion is involved but that's cool it. yep oh oh okay i have an idea i have an idea how we're gonna link two of them already but go on <laughs> that is it all right. And this movie. So that's four. And this movie. That's four. Yeah. Yep. And then okay. I'm going to randomly just pick this one, which is The Yards. So, oh, okay. The Yards. So let's see if we can... Oh, God. Wait, I... Oh, Joey, wait. You forgot to say uh, Minor Masterpiece, The Yards. The Minor Masterpiece, of The Yards. A near-perfect film, The Yards. I remember where I was when I was listening to your episode about it, but I don't remember anything about the movie. Do you remember? So here, he, you're the first person that I know who has listened to it, because I don't know if Mike has listened to it yet. <laughs> I've started. How did you like my narration of when my audio screwed up and I just introduced what was coming next? Oh, I really liked it a lot, because that's something that on my other podcast, In Sickness and in Health, uh, I have to do sometimes <laughs> to, like, either because, you know, I've said a statistic wrong or need to, like, interject something and have never figured out how to do it well, and I thought you did it really well. Well, thank you so much. I got rid of... I literally bought a new laptop because my old laptop was encountering so many like hard drive hiccups or something that was like goofing up audio that when Mike was editing the Magic Mike episode for Cinemakers, I had to re-record probably 10 or 15 minutes of audio that Mike masterfully cut in because it just kept goofing up so here i was like i'm not gonna re-record it because i don't remember exactly what i said and i was just gonna try something real weird 
and then I bought a new laptop. So I'm glad that you appreciated the weirdness. And basically, you know, aside from re-recording, there's nothing else that I could do to sort of salvage that. So I'm glad that you appreciated it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to link together these five stories as best we can. That thing you do, which is takes place in the past, that's the Cider House. So most of these actually take place in the past. Mm-hmm. We have that thing you do, Cider House Rules, and Peter Sellers all in like the 40s to the 60s, mm-hmm. and then quote-unquote modern day. No, the Yards is... Is the yeah, yard so, the 80s? So I think it goes Cider House, that thing you do, Peter Sellers, the monster, and then the yards. Because monster takes place in 89, and I think the yards is in the 90s, early 90s. Wow, I'm okay. Not positive, but those are both based on true stories, so we could we could probably pinpoint that. So the first thing that came to mind, and I don't know if we want to have this as part of the narrative, is that in this movie, Peter Sellers wants Charlize to have an abortion. We know that at the Cider House they perform abortions. So what <laughs> oh, I think... To link these two, <laughs> yikes! He sent, but no, but here, here's where it gets better. So he sends her to America and is like, "You need to go get an abortion." There's no one in the UK who does this for some reason. You need to go to America. She gets sent to New England, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England, mm. and she goes to the cider house. But she meets other Charlies before the actual she gets one. The abortion. Like, That's she doesn't want to. Well, no, not, she no. She meets Candy Kemble or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Candy number one. So now we have two Charlize's in the same era, that she doesn't want to get the abortion. She goes to America because Peter Sellers is like, you need to get rid of this baby. But now she meets up with Candy, who has been nursing the ailing Paul Rudd back to health or whatever, or just taking care of him. And now they team up and are sisters from different mothers on the loose. (laughs) All right. Sure. Why not? This game can be whatever you want it to be. So, like, we, we successfully linked via abortion, but dodged abortion. So, oh God. how do we link this now to That Thing You Do, where she plays a woman obsessed with a dentist, sort of? And uh, you know that story, kind of. Vaguely. Like, how do you link them to, how do you link them to, and then Kara can link the story to Monster somehow? Okay, this is a little tough, because now there's two Charlies occupying <laughs> space time. Yeah, this breaks all of the rules of any sort like of the way There's no rules. Yeah. Well, how about, how about can I just do a quick proposal? What I was thinking was the Charlize from Cider House leaves Paul Rudd after he dies because he came back from the war and he couldn't handle it. Does he kill himself? Goes, well, I didn't want to say it out loud. But, but he does, okay. Maybe he does. Yep. But he dies and she drives to California and hooks up with Guy and then leaves him for the dentist. And okay. Okay. The dentist loses his practice, so she goes to London and marries Peter Sellers. And now she has to get from Peter Sellers to Monster. <laughs> and develop... Okay, so Carrie, here's what you have to do. So it's either link one of those two options. Let's see. Just bring either of them yeah. where one of the Charlizes becomes a serial killer. I mean, after being married to Peter Sellers... Fair. Fair enough. Perfect. Serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> or something to do with because you remember that opening monologue that she has in Monster where she's talking about how she always wanted to be in movies yeah, yeah. oh oh okay I think so here's here's a nice twist I like that a lot Kara there's like a 30-ish year gap maybe or 25 year gap between the Peter Sellers timeline and the Monster timeline so maybe this Charlize is the daughter. So how about this? So here's an idea. <gasps> oh my god, that actually totally 
totally lines up because the way that he treated those kids was just yep. horrendous. Yeah, and the way Monster kept talking about her right childhood being horrible. Yeah. So we follow Mike's trajectory, and she goes to England, somehow develops a Swedish accent. Who knows? Maybe she's just putting it on, whatever. <laughs> she's affecting a Swedish accent. Gets knocked off by Peter Sellers, says, you have to get an abortion. She does not get an abortion, but she divorces him, moves to America after his mother's funeral, has the baby. I don't know. Somehow, either maybe she dies, or maybe she goes on to be in more movies because she is an actress. Monster Baby is there and she <laughs> she wants to be in movies because she knows her mother was a movie star and <laughs> she wants to be in movies her mother like her and mother. her father I just have to say uh, Monster Baby that's the name of my new band so Monster Baby <laughs> I've got dibs well so in um, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers yeah. towards the beginning there's that scene where his kid draws a racing stripe on his new Rolls Royce yes. and mm-hmm. he freaks out and destroys all of his toys yep. which like what the fuck and then to make up for it he buys him a pony right well that didn't actually happen with that son it happened with the daughter of of Charlize yeah really in real life yeah huh. so huh. if that doesn't make you a serial killer I don't know what will also it said in like the ending like epilogue in the text per his will his children each received only 2000 American dollars that that ending was kind of funny and also sad sad for that reason but funny in that like <laughs> as he died he was trying to make it so that his current wife or his most recent ex-wife or whatever wouldn't inherit all of his money, mm-hmm. but he died before he could fulfill that, and so she got all mm-hmm. the money anyway. Good for her that she got it, but sort of really, really terrible that all of his kids only got $2,000 each. Like, that's terrible. But I do like the irony or the, the little bit of karmic justice that he did not, like, things did not go the way he wanted after he was so terrible to all these different people in his life. Yeah, but they could have gone worse. They should have gone worse. <laughs> yeah, very true. So we have Monster Baby growing up, and we have, to, we have to sort of modify the end of Monster that she doesn't get caught and moves to New York. Well, Oh, right. There's still another movie. Yeah, we have to link it to The Yards, the near masterpiece The Yards. Well, The Yards was like a crime movie, right? Yeah. It's about the backdoor dealings of like the New York transit system. You know, I do want to say while we think about this, that after Monster, where she, wear, she wore prosthetics and no makeup and gained all this weight... And then the end of last week's movie, Head in the Clouds, where she was basically playing a Les Mis kid, where she was all dirty and, you know... Such a Les Mis vibe. She is so pretty in this movie. Like, she's unbelievably oh, she's pretty in this movie. Like, yeah. maybe the best she's looked in any movie so far. So I, I, I almost feel like, as she's like, after she did Monster, she's just like, I need to feel beautiful in a movie again. Like, I did that thing, I got the Oscar, but now let me feel beautiful. Let me be this beautiful, real-life actress. But we also get, uh, she's not introduced in a picture, but she's introduced in a newspaper photo. So that's sort of similar to Two Days in the Valley and whatever, whoever else was introduced in 15 minutes. But I like that, that she was introduced via... Photo, right? Photo yeah. in the newspaper. So, But she is beautiful. Like She is so pretty in this movie. So. She's like more pretty than the real-life actress. <laughs> she's like a little too pretty. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, when you are the woman who in Monster, I forget her name already, Arlene? Eileen? Arlene? Eileen? Eileen. Eileen. Yeah. When you're Eileen, you find out, you know, the movie came out after she died, after she was killed, but, you know, you find out that Charlie Theron is going to play you in a movie, but, like, you're, you're, she's not going to be Charlie's, she's not going to be as pretty as Charlie Theron. She's going to sort of, like, ugly herself up a little bit. Like, that's sort of like a weird, like a, oh, oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah, I, I hear you. Like, oh my god, she's going to play me? Oh, she's going to gain weight and, like, not wear makeup and, you know, wear, like, prosthetics? <laughs> like, okay, sorry. So how do we link Monster Baby to the yards? Okay, so I read the IMDb summary. Okay. Maybe 
monster baby <laughs> in order to evade law enforcement. Like, Bruce Stern tells her to leave, and she leaves when Bruce Stern tells her to leave. Oh. So she doesn't actually get caught okay. and goes to New York and is living in the rail yards of Queens. Nice. And then meets up with the other characters. Yeah, and she, that, oh, she finds out that she has family there. Oh. And she moves in with the family, and they sort of take her in. She would totally fit in that movie. I mean, you know, like as like the yeah. tough or something. Or she's got she's got a real sort of like calamity Jane kind of like thing going on in oh deep God. down inside her. Basically, so that's that's that. So we I like uh, that. start out with cider house rules. Go have a fling with guy. Make out with a dentist. Then go to England. Marry Peter Sellers. Get knocked up. Have monster baby. Move to America. Monster <laughs> baby then goes does her monster thing. Comes up to <laughs> New York and does her thing in the yards. So cool. I think that's. I think that's I think that's pretty solid. That's that's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, I said it last time. I'm not quite sure if it's a game exactly yet, but I'm ha- I have a lot of fun playing whatever we're doing. I feel like it's very difficult for people who aren't us. Well, I think it <laughs> it might have helped that we sort of scrub it every time and start over. I yeah, like that. I think so we pick new ones, and I think you know having the guests be able to pick the movies that they've yes. seen and incorporate is is a good one too. I feel like we're gonna get a lot of the Devil's Advocate and a lot of that thing you do, but that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, Carrie, the other way that we were gonna do it was that we were going to, if I wrote it down, we were gonna read the narrative that we wrote last week and sort of let you connect the current movie to that narrative. But I think that this is sort of more fun. It's more collaborative. It's more inventive than the sort of ongoing whatever. Okay, yeah. I think that would get untenable rather quickly. Probably. Almost certainly. So the last thing that we have on the show is the awards segment. Worst everything. Worst everything. Worst (laughs) film. Well, not best. Well, I guess not for her, but... Yeah, worst film. Not best of the worst. Not most wildly inconsistent tone. Crazy sending to a movie, no. Good cinematography. Is this worst role, or is it sort of just like a nothing role? Yeah. Uh, is it enough to even be a role? Like, should we have that as a category? Like, not even a role? How about most wasted Charlie's performance? We could put that Yeah, here. I like that wording better. The way I put it is kind of mean. <laughs> not even a role. Like, No, but, I mean, it's really not. Like, yeah. I honestly, like, after... Because, like, halfway through her appearance in this movie, she still hasn't said a single word. Oh, does does she say anything before she accepts his marriage proposal? I don't think so. That is bananas. She just giggles. Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly giggling her part in this movie. Most sexist film, throwing this in there. Best accent voice, we're going to throw that in there, Swedish accent. This is just more like a log of all the accents. Worst love story, for sure. I want to nominate Tucci for something. Like, <laughs> most bizarre cameo? I don't know, what do you call Like, it's just, I've never seen anyone play Kubrick in a movie before, and it just, like, it was like, I accepted it without any question somehow, like, that Tucci did it. We could, I, ju- I, we could just do best male actor role, because why not? Stanley okay. Tucci. And it also just made me really now want a Kubrick movie somehow. Yeah, I think it was a huge mistake to have that character in the movie because mm-hmm. you spend the rest of the time just like, oh, why didn't you make that movie? He's like infinitely more interesting in the small amount of screen time that he's on there compared to Sellers. And Stanley Tucci is just the best. Like, there's that one bizarre scene, like I didn't even realize, but they're on the set of Dr. Strangelove and he's recording, he's trying to get him to do the general and do like the recording, the audio, and they're sitting mm-hmm. in a car and you think they're mm-hmm. like filming a scene, but they're just 
sitting there because he's eccentric like i don't know i was like what is happening with that moment like let's explore you know the reasoning behind this but nope the movie doesn't care do we want to nominate i don't think we should i think he's better than this do we want to nominate jeffrey rush for worst male actor like i think he's fine i think just mm. the no movie. he's amazing in yeah, this movie okay. yeah it, it's i think it's really like a, an achievement of acting it's just like the character sucks right yeah. Right, it's the subject and everything, right? He pulls it off perfectly, but it's like, you don't want him to, almost. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, you should be doing something else. Like, who else could you be playing? But then again, I did want to, I do want to see, like, I think, you know, if Steve Coogan did it, I guess I'd be saying the same thing. I'd be like, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Why do this? Yeah. Anything else that we want to, there's nothing else that stands out to me. Anything else that was either good or bad, so good or so bad about this movie that we want to nominate it for something? Or are we sort of content to wrap it up? I'm good to, I think I'm good to wrap it up. I really can't think of anything new. Yeah, nothing else that we've already brought up. No, no, I don't have anything in my notes. So I was, uh, I did write down in my notes early in the movie. I was like, oh, remember to read off a checklist of emotion of like an emotionally abusive spouse, just to like demonstrate that he like was doing all of those things. But the movie did it through the rest of the movie anyway. Like just kind of showed like exactly how abusive he was. Yeah. Because at first it's like less obvious, and then it gets very obvious. So I'm not going to read a checklist. Just don't see this movie. Yeah. So, Kara, I'm sorry that you had to watch this movie. I'm sorry that we all had to watch this movie, but I thank you <sighs> for once again coming on. You'll be on one more time. For what movie? I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, I know what movie. I think... No, no, no. I don't know what movie. Hold on. Let me find it out. Monster 2, which I liked your pitch. Yours, I think, might have been either my first or second favorite out of the pitch a sequel game, Kara, was like the, uh, exploring her time behind bars before executed. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to be on again for The Road. Oh, man. Oh, okay. You've picked, like, the heaviest Super depressing stuff, movies. man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Why did you pick I'm this I'm a movie? fun person. I like the Pink Panther. <laughs> but not anymore. <laughs> no. I think this movie actually ruined the Pink Panther for me. Watch the third one. He's not. He doesn't even play Inspector Clouseau <sighs> in the third one. I don't even want to watch the cartoon. Oh, That's how much it ruined wow. it for me. Wow. Try and check out Gary Busey and the Buddy Holly story. It's an incredible performance. <laughs> I'm telling you. I do love Gary Busey. Thankfully, this week we actually watched uh, The Sound of Music for Wistful Thinking. Oh. I had never actually seen the whole thing before. I've I had never seen, seen it, it either. Like, in bits and pieces, and I had done some of the songs and theater programs and stuff. And it is an amazing movie. It's so good. It's like... It reminded me why I love movies, and I haven't seen a movie like that in a really long time. So the existential opposite to this, and if you're feeling particularly low after this, I would recommend The Sound of Music. It's really long, and I, I didn't even have a problem with that, and I hate long movies. Cool. And so. it's a musical, right? Yeah, it's a musical. It's so good. I don't even like musicals either. I've never seen it. So maybe this will be my chance to sit down, watch it, and then check out oh, that episode. highly recommend. It is a true delight. Your Whistle Thinking co-host, Jordan Paul and Clark, was on our Zack Attack episode of The Greatest Showman, which a movie that she did not very much care for. <laughs> yeah, she told me. And then when she was watching The Sound of Music for Whistle Thinking, she messaged me and she was like, oh, this is what a musical is supposed to be like. I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm sure you're right, but like, Great Showman's pretty great. No, thank you. <laughs> 
there's a little too much going on there that I'm uncomfortable with. Probably fine. So I'm just not going to see it. Well, anyway, thank you for being on. You'll be on another handful of episodes for your third and final appearance here on Charlize. But that's all we got. So go check out Wistful Thinking. This this episode comes out in a month. So this week is the Sound of Music episode. So do you know what you're doing next episode? Or do you not not know yet? Yeah, we actually booked it already. Whoa. Which never happens. I know. Um, We'll be recording Hook. Oh, Rufio. Rufio. Yeah, so that's exciting. And then uh, the episode after that is going to be our one-year anniversary. So we have uh, a romantic little episode planned for that one. Awesome. So for all things Watch a Throne and Wistful Thinking, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. We also have an email address. You can email us watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of this. Have you seen this movie? Let us know. You know, we'll read it the next time that we get the email. So I'm mm. so sorry if you it's have. Pretty it's pretty high. It's it's got pretty high reviews on Letterboxd. I was I know. shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, it's like a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got almost a 7 on IMDb. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a movie that I think... I feel like most people who watch this movie, though, are watching it because they think they're going to like it, and they probably do. Like, it's not the best movie to watch just because Charlize Theron's in it. Like, that's, you know, not necessarily a great reason to watch this movie. But, hey, man, what can you do? Cageclub.me, Facebook.com slash Cageclub, and at Cageclubpod on Twitter. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was... Cara Gail O'Regan, and we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne.